T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Sounds great. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. This is Grant Cameron, and I have uh, two special guests on today. I have Alta and Chad Dillard, and they are coming from... uh, Alabama, I believe, tonight, and uh, we're going to be talking about a book that they pulled, put, uh, put out called Orbducted in the French Quarter, and uh, I was put in contact through my assistant, Desta, and I'm uh, honored to have them on today. Welcome, Chad and Alta. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having us. We're Beautiful. so happy to be here. Thank you so much for this time. Wow, I'm, I'm excited. We had a little chat before we tried to run this once earlier today. So I have a little bit of uh, insight on some of the other questions I should ask you. But let's go to the beginning and, and talk about um, the experiences. Which one of you started having the experiences and how did you get into the field uh, of uh, the UFOs or the uh, experiences or whatever you want to call it? Mm. So I'll start this. I happen to be 10 years older than Chad. Okay. I'm born uh, in the late, I'm born in the late 50s uh, of the Southwest, Arizona, actually. And my mother, who is no longer with us, uh, claims, now I'm told I'm an only child. Uh, my mom claims that she left my father. Um, and her story, and she never challenged her over it, nor did I challenge her over it. Her story is, is that while she was driving, this is after she separated from her father, uh, she claims she was the, she's the driver of the car, I'm the only passenger, and at that point I would have been about six months old, and she claims that it was driving light and a metallic. She changed the word a couple of times, either UFO or craft came out of the sky, she says, landed on the street, on the road, and stopped her from driving. Now, that's a really bizarre way to start this conversation, but that is my beginning. And because my mother was who she was, and I personally had no interest in this field at all, I was embarrassed the couple of times that she ever shared that story. So, you know, as an embarrassed child, I had to kind of fall away into the another room just thinking she was crazy and again because of that i never as i said i never asked i didn't ask her to fill in the blanks or any of that so it would seem that it began with me just by virtue of 10 years older than chad okay 
Um, maybe we should try to go a little bit closer to Mike, or maybe your bandwidth is low. You're sort of breaking up a little bit. Um, I have a headset on. Okay, it's breaking up a little bit. So can we try it without the headset and see how that works? Sure, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it says your bandwidth is low, so that may be what it is. We'll... How is that? Is that better? Okay, yours is okay. Alta, you try. Okay, I'm here. Yeah, yours is breaking up a little bit. I don't know why. It's uh, there's wow. a little bit of crackling in the voice. I'll tell you, it's not unusual in our story. It seems when we're in the same space with each other, electronics are very difficult to cooperate. Yeah, so, I've heard that. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Let Let's go with it. Uh, just try to stay close to the uh, the micro or the microphone, and we'll. Uh, go from there. So you, it started with you, and how did the book come to be? The uh, and why is Orb in the title of the book? So we had Chad and I had a an experience with another woman. There were three of us. She happened to be a coworker and friend. Uh, one evening in 1997, when after Chad, there's a lot of course in between. We'd had a lot of experiences prior to this. We saw our first UFO together, Chad and myself, in uh, 1995 or 94. We had just moved to Louisiana, but we were living about an hour outside of New Orleans. We were in a small community called Hammond. Okay. And it was, uh, again, it was, uh, you know, there was light out. It wasn't dark yet, but we had that experience. So that was our first together experience of that nature. We still had no interest in the in that area at all. Neither one of us did. We didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah, if that would have been our only only experience, we probably would have never even nothing been gotten public or anything like that. But we discovered, even though we didn't want to talk about that, just that sighting, other people had reported it. So we understood then that it really did happen. We tried to ignore it, and then that was in ninety. 95 then in 97 the three of us on a very strange night i used the word high strangeness for everything <laughs> okay uh and I've, I've mentioned this in the past i borrowed that term it may have been linda Howe. i'm not sure i don't remember where it came from many years ago and it just seems to equate to anything that i've experienced that's just the best term Okay. So we had already started experiencing tremendous, what I call high strangeness from the moment that evening began in 97. Uh, we were living and working at the time in the French Quarter. Chad and I are now 31 years together. I claim that we have been arranged uh, in 1990 by the others. And I don't know who or what they are, okay. but they arranged us in 1990. Yeah. And then 97, the three of us are out one evening, and from the moment we started that evening, if anybody knows the French Quarter, that's a 24-7 party. Now, Chad <laughs> and I have also never had children. We chose to never have children. Yeah. So we're just living life. And, uh, and again, the French Quarter never stops. Yeah. But on that particular evening, there were no people. And when I oh. say no people, there were some stragglers but there were no people on those streets. Wow. And the French Quarter is about 13 blocks if you've never been there or if you are aware of it. Um, and, and everything is always busy. There's always music and there's always 
activity, but not okay. this evening. So on this evening, there's no people. We went to three different locations. I'll try to speed this story up. Mm -hmm. And in each location that we went to, because there's a lot to all of this, there were no people. When I say no people, I'm talking about our first place was a place Chad had worked in a couple of years prior to that. He's in the restaurant. He was in the food business, bar business back in the day. Yeah. Uh, we knew the owner of this place. We knew all the management. We knew everybody who worked there. So we decided that would be where we'd start our evening. And not on that night, there were no people. There was no wait staff. There were no customers. There was no bartenders. No band. <laughs> no band. This place was a three-story deal that had the deck that, you know, the balcony that everybody sees on television. Again, this was a night of no people. And I remember very clearly all of us taking note of the fact, where is everybody? The only person that we were aware of in that three-story that three, uh, building happened to be the manager that we knew. That just got weirder than weird. We didn't drink, we didn't drug, nor did there appear to be people around to drug us because that has all been suggested to us. Yeah. Uh, we left that first place. We stopped at two more locations across the quarter. We had no plans for the night. It was just to try to have an evening out of drinking and dinner and celebrating. Yeah. And so each time we stopped somewhere, there were no people. And that's just, again, what I'm explaining is unheard of. So our evening started around 9.30 that evening. It took us until the last thing the three of us remember collectively is around 11. So somewhere, so we had about an hour and a half out there crossing the French Quarter with no people, okay. just being very puzzled. And then finally, I say to Chad, I just want to go home. I don't even want to walk the blocks back to home because we lived right in the quarter. Mm -hmm. Let's get a cab. And that's the last thing. I went and sat down on a stoop just about several feet up from the last front door of the last place we tried to go into. And when I sat on the stoop, Chad came and joined me. And I made it clear to him I was just so bored I couldn't take it anymore. And I just wanted to go home, kind of like Dorothy and Oz. <laughs> okay. and, and that's exactly how it feels like it ended up being Chad I remember Chad joining me and him in agreement that he just wanted to go home also and that's the last thing the three of us remember collectively was around 11 o'clock on that street corner the next thing I know it's the next day I'm sitting straight up Indian style like I normally sit privately on my day bed in my living room Okay. I'm rubbing my arms. I have something projecting out of the top of my arm that was not there the night before. Wow. My eyes popped open and it's very important, you know, that I'm trying to have anybody that cares about what's happened to us understand I didn't, I didn't wake up. I came to and rubbing my arms okay. and I see daylight blasting through my windows and I'm losing my mind. Now, the first I, again, I'll try to speed this up, but just to impart the hysteria, the controlled hysteria that was going on inside of me is not describable. Where is Chad? Where is our friend? We've changed her name for our little book, yeah. but um, 
uh, and she's been fine with either way we wanted to go with this. She purposely made it clear to me many years ago, because we are still connected since 97, that she would never go public with this, but that she certainly gave us permission to speak on her behalf. So we certainly have. Okay. Um, so I'm losing my mind. Where's Chad and where is she at? I see a lump in my bed it, from the angle I was sitting. I could see into my bedroom and I saw a big lump in my bed. And I've said this before, I was praying to the gods that that lump belonged to me and that that would be Chad. And I've also said, you know, this would be the one time honest to the heavens that two lumps would be acceptable in that bed. <laughs> but the second lump wasn't there. She was not there. Now, I get up off that day bed and I'm, I'm heading straight for the lump. And when I say lump, it's, you know, it's a big lump in the bed with covers. He's yeah. got the pinkies pulled up over his head. So I can't, I don't know who's in there. So as I start to head that direction, my bathroom happened to be right there. So I'm like, what the is in my arm? What the, so I go to the, I beeline to the bathroom. I get a pair of tweezers because I keep my nails generally always cut off. Yeah. So I get a pair of tweezers to pull this sharp feeling thing out of my arm. Now, what's bizarre about that was this little thing that's sticking out of my arm felt like a piece of cactus sticker, but there was no pain at all. It was just sharp when I'd run my hand over it. I get the tweezers. I pull this out of my arm. It left a teeny tiny pinhole. Yeah. And whatever this was that seemed solid in my arm, when it's between my fingers, started to dissolve. Wow. And I was absolutely, I'm getting scared repeating it to you. My heart's racing, just repeating it because I became, I was losing my mind. Yeah. And I turned on the faucet and I started scrubbing my hands. And when people say they scrubbed them until they almost bled, that's exactly what I was doing. I wanted that off of me. I wanted that away from me because I'm still going nuts. And where's Chad and where is she at? So I come out of the bathroom. As soon as I got my hands scrubbed, I'm not even thinking anymore about my arm. All I'm thinking about is that lump. I go beeline and well, by this time the lump is woken up and it happens to be hallelujah, Chad. And he's coming towards me like a movie. You can imagine this in a movie, the two of us moving towards each other quickly. <laughs> now he's very dazed. And that's not the look I, I needed or wanted to see. I needed him to be able to tell me. And I'm like, what happened to us last night? But before I could do that, he's saying to me, not what you want, you know, not, not that a man wants to repeat this. And that was basically, Chad. Yeah. I was like, what happened to us? How, how did we get home? I know we were completely sober and all that. The last thing I remember was standing on, you know, that, uh, that stoop or standing by that stoop. And the next you know, thing I know is I'm waking up in bed, you know, the next morning. So I was highly confused uh dazed dazed and confused truly and and i'm busy yelping at him look at my arm look at my arm there's something <laughs> in my arm chad because i still had a lump a pretty good sized lump uh in under the skin 
So at this point now, Chad's looking at me and he's seeing all the way around me. Keep in mind, I only dealt with the front of me because I'm in so much trauma in the bathroom. I ain't looking at my body. I'm just trying to get this out of my arm, that off my hand and Chad and our friend. So Chad, if you'll describe what you saw. Yeah. uh, You know, when she points out her arm, I'm like, well, what are these bruises? And they were like, they were four digit, but very long. They went all the way around her, her arm or her arm muscle on okay. both sides. Um, and I got some pretty they, good size arms. <laughs> no. And, but I mean, they, they didn't last long. Of course, this was before, you know, cell phones and everybody had a camera and all yep. that stuff. So, you know, of course, yep. no pictures or anything Nor of did it. we care I mean, yeah honest, right yeah we're, we're not thinking you we're know, still missing her. document this our stuff. friend is still missing right yeah so yeah and the next thing we're like you know call christine call her and i'm we're badgering back and forth going no you call her no you call her no you call her <laughs> and ended up we never even called her because Chad's kind of giggling because that's sort of his way. But when we're having this experience, we're not laughing. Yeah. We're not giggling. We're scared to death. And yeah. we are deciding we're going to, I happen to be off work for the next couple of days. How convenient. Chad was an entrepreneur, so he could kind of call his own shots. So we just decided we were going to, as they say, hunker down. And we closed ourselves in. And when you live in the quarter, you can get your food delivered and groceries and anything yeah. that you need if you're not going to be out on your own so it worked out beautifully in that regards where we shut our curtains we closed ourselves into our apartment and we waited and we just waited now i also seemed to be the only one out of the three of us that was returned whatever that means with memory chad and our friend clueless about those hours missing I, on the other hand, have a memory of, and it's very acute, and it's what I call the in-between. I have no memory of coming off that street, and I have no memory of being returned home. But I have a very distinct memory of the middle. Now, years later, Chad got regression done. Because trying to get to, you know, it takes a long time to answer your question, Mr. Cameron. No, 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 no. This is good. I mean, we're getting into details. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay, so... Uh, a few years later, we left New Orleans. We came to Alabama where Chad's parents lived, small town Alabama. I might mention we're here now. We left for many years and returned a year ago in October. We left the French Quarter when the shutdown happened. Um, we're only a couple hours from NASA, from Huntsville. Okay. So that's always, always been important to me on I don't know what level. So anyhow, uh, a few years later, after we moved here, we, I, I met somebody, a woman, who lived in the Huntsville area. That's a couple hours drive from here. Okay. Who claimed that she did regression. Well, okay. we didn't know better. She, was, she and Chad got along very well. So I asked her if we could barter, if we could make a deal. We'd pay whatever. Would yeah. she consider regressing him? Now, she had made it clear she hadn't dealt with this subject before, but she was still willing. Okay. So, so were we. So was he. And so she came to our home. 
She drove that couple hours to our home. She and Chad went into a private room by themselves and her and her little tape recorder. And I might add, that was very disturbing because the tape recorder she had on, the, the volume was so low that it was extremely painful to try to hear it okay. when, you're, when you're wanting to hear truths. But yeah. Chad, I'll have Chad share with you if you're, or at least to give you the idea of where the word, we created the word abduction. Actually, the publisher of our little book came up with the word and I just said it works. And uh, that's the word such as, but this is the reason where the word came from. It might, might just want to share the beginning of that, yeah. Chad. So, so in my regression, we're, we're standing, you know, mid, mid um, block, uh, our, our friend comes and joins us. And I noticed that around the corner, I could see this bright, bright light. And so I get the girl's attention. We walk around the corner and there's this orb. Now it's probably about 15, 20 feet off, you know, above the street. It's probably about half a block down the street. And it's probably about 12 foot in dimension, round. Okay. Very white, beautiful, just clean light. And it sits there for just a few seconds and it comes at us and it just kind of engulfs us. It just okay. takes us in, it orbducts us. So okay. all three people, of, right? Yes, all three of us. Okay. Uh, my next memory is I, I, I believe I'm on the craft out in, in the universe somewhere. Uh, I, the, the, my first memory is I'm following this small uh, person. He's probably about three, three and a half feet tall. Uh, he, he has a big bulbous head. He's got this pale kind of gray, creamy colored skin. Okay. Uh, I, I now I only saw him from behind. So I never saw his face or his eyes or anything yeah. like that. Now he wasn't like the thin grays that you would see on TV or something like that. He had substance to him. You know, he kind of waddled when he walked. He was okay. almost like a small person, you know, okay. a dwarf. Um, did, he have, did he have clothes on? Yeah, he was wearing like this, almost like a scuba diving one okay. piece, you know, like black. Uniform? Right, right. I, again, I didn't see him from the front, uh, so I didn't see any insignia or, you know, any kind of decoration or anything like that. But from the back, he was just, you know, it was just the black, like scuba diving, skin tight, um, when he was wearing, what he was wearing. And he's walking away from you. Is that what you're saying? We're, we're actually following him. Oh, and okay. when I say, when I say we, out of the corner of my eye on my left, I could I could see a tall blonde female um, walking beside me. Now I didn't turn to look, but this does describe our friend that was with us that night. Okay. But I didn't turn to see if this was her or or what. Okay. I and never knew that. I'd like to interject at the time I had just turned 40. Chad was 30 and okay. our friend was 24. She had never been married and had no children at that point. She was tall, slender, long blonde hair, very attractive uh, individual. And okay. that's 
he's not sure if it was her with him out yeah. there or not, but I was okay. never in his experience. Okay. Yeah. Now, if, you, if you'd like, I can continue with- Sure, what sure, I, oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so my next, oh, and by the way, this, we were, I was following him down this, this hallway and it kind of gently turned to the right, just, and it just stayed consistently turning to the right, you know, almost like it was, you know, in a circle, a big, big circle or something like that. Can I, can I ask the one wall, question? Can I ask one yeah. question just at this point? Like you said, when you saw it, it was 15 feet across. Did it appear like thinking back, did it appear like it was bigger on the inside in terms of uh, the hallways and stuff that, or did it make sense in terms of the object you saw from the outside? No, like I said, the, the orb was, you know, like just 12 foot in diameter. Okay. It was almost like it was, it just engulfed us and took us somewhere else. Oh, okay. You know, I, I don't believe we were still in this light. I believe okay. it was some sort of, teleportation or something to a ship okay you know something that transfers to a different location and you're in so that you can see it's like metal like is that what you're the inside yeah okay right the the inside the hallways were you know this just this metallic very smooth no rivets no bolts no seams you know it would you know the wall the ceiling the the floor you know there was no seams it was just very smooth so we're following this this little being um down the hallway my next memory is i'm in this room and it just seems infinite it's very dark now i can see my immediate uh around me uh off in the distance to my left again i could see a tall blonde female laying on an like an examining table uh, she didn't seem to be in distress. She seemed to be like almost out of it, you know, like yeah, she, yeah. There were, yeah, suspended animation or, you know, asleep or whatever. Now there were three beings around her. Uh, they were very tall. I would say seven to eight foot tall, wow. uh, very praying manacy looking, you know, like their, their mouths were closer to their chin. They're big. You know, I wouldn't say almond shaped eyes, but big, like buggy kind of shaped eyes. Uh, their arms were kind of um, crooked, like a praying mantis. Uh, they were wearing these cloaks, uh, like, um, you know, like, well, you know, like a Grim Reaper or something like that. Like a hooded uh, thing? Did they have the hood on with the thing or they, is it just the cloak? Yeah. They, they 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 kind of did, but they, you could still kind of see their their face protruding out of of this thing. And what uh, color was the cloak? Black. Okay. Black. There were there were one on each side of this examining table, and then one like back behind, standing back behind her head. Okay. Um, I didn't see any kind of gadgets. She was nude. Uh, but I didn't see any kind of gadgets or anything like that. Uh, she, she she was nude, but I could see I couldn't see her body parts. It was almost like you know when on regular TV where they blur out you know the, yeah, yeah. the body okay. parts. Okay. Now I start focusing on my immediate. So I turn and I'm sitting in this chair that 
kind of remind you of it like a dentist chair, but it was very a lot more comfortable than a dentist chair. Okay. You know, uh, during my experience, I never was, you know, anxiety, scared, freaked out, harmed okay. in any of my memory. Okay. Uh, so I turned to look and I look over to my right and there's this other being there. Now he's probably about three and a half, four foot tall, very thin, you know, it looks like, a, you know, like a, a, the grays that you would see on TV, okay. but he, he was just, just vibrant, vibrant blue, just this like neon lively, just electric blue. His aura, his presence was that of like a shaman slash professor, professor, scientist, old knowledge, just, I mean, all combined, you know, the spiritual and the scientific. Uh, he went over and he got this box and he had it in his uh, right hand. He took his left hand and kind of just put it inside the box. Okay. And then when he pulled his hand out, there was this blue kind of substance and it looked a lot like the, the slime stuff that the kids play with that, you know, kind of, yeah. but, but it was contained, you know, it was about the size of a, you know, a quarter or a half dollar. Uh, now I don't remember him setting down the box. He, and, and this was, I'm sorry, this was, this substance was kind of free floating a couple inches off of his palm, of left hand okay. palm. Wow. Um, it was, it was blue, the same color blue as he was, but it had little sparklies in it, like, uh, you know, uh, metal flakes or glitter or something like that. Now he takes his right hand. I don't remember him setting the box down, but he takes his right hand and he, he's only got four digits and he takes his hand and he does kind of like this, where he crosses his two outer fingers yeah. and he's got his okay. fingers like this. And once he does that, this, this substance starts spinning and it's just wow. spinning faster and faster and faster. And as that goes on, the, the, the glittery glitter stuff and the metal flaky stuff, the, and the blueness kind of dissipate out of it. And it's kind of orb, you know, it's kind of orb or going around this, yeah. whatever it was still in the middle. Now it started slowing down and it had turned into this double pointed crystal, you know, very clean, very clear crystal. And, you know, it's just kind of still free floating above his hand. And I remember thinking to him, you know, kind of talking to him with my mind, you know, why are you showing this to me? You know, I'm not yeah. a doctor. I'm not a scientist. This yeah. is something important. And back in the day, I thought it was maybe some kind of like free energy kind of source. Today, I'm not really sure if that, I mean, I, I, I do believe it's an energy source, but I, I don't know if it's, you know, to plug a TV in, maybe it's just a, a life or energy force for, for people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, were you able to next, communicate with him? Because you said you asked him this question. Did he, were you able to get this communication and how did that take place? Yeah, all, all telepathically. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, oh yeah, so, you know, I, I'm thinking to him, you know, why, why are you showing this to me? I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, I'm not an engineer, this is important. 
And he told me, again, through my mind, that I would know in time or when it's time. I can't wow. exactly remember yeah. exact words, but I would know in time. Okay. My next memory is I'm in this room. There's only uh, four walls, I mean, three walls, one, two that are very straight, one that's kind of concave where it kind of does like this. Now, this part I've always was confused about, or, you know, there, there's this like overstuffed leather, black leather chair in the middle of, the, of this room. Now, it seemed out of place. It, you know, because again, the walls were, you know, the metallic, no rivets, no bolts, no nothing, very smooth walls. And here's this modern, you know, chair, you know, in the middle of <laughs> okay. it. And it was like, just, it just seemed out of place. And for some reason, my, in my mind, I said, well, it looks comfortable, but it's not. So I, I never sat in it, but I focused my attention and I walk a little closer to this wall that's concave. I get a little closer, I get you know, five, six foot away from it. And what I thought was a solid wall, it, I could see through it. You know, I mean, it was solid, but I could see through it. It wasn't, you know, yeah. where I, and I could see, you know, like I was out in the galaxy, you know, I could see stars and planets wow. and, you know, and then this was a huge wall. This was probably, this wall was probably about 15 foot long and probably 10 foot, 11 foot ceiling. Okay. So it's huge. I mean, and I'm just standing there in awe, just wow. you know, in front of this wall window is what I call it. Um, and I'm standing there and all of a sudden this small craft kind of right outside this wall window kind of zooms by and it goes and it's moving pretty fast and it goes and it stops about eight, nine, 10 foot away from me. And it just stops on a dime and it comes back and it's like, we're face to face, you know, just right there. It's just, if I could have wow. reached through this, this, and it was like, it was probably about the size of a rugby ball. You know, it's, you know, in shape kind of like a rugby ball it was metallic. It had little blinking lights on it and little, you know, antennas and wires moving around on it. And my, I, I could feel like it had intelligence, you know, whether it would be organic or just, you know, m you know, machine, I'm not sure. And it, it was almost like it was con as confused to see me as I was it. Uh, you know, it was like, they were like inside going, look, mommy at the monkey in the, in, in the, you know, in the window, you know, yeah. kind of thing. It sat there for, you know, maybe 30 seconds at the most yeah. and then just zoomed off, you know, in the, in the direction it was going into. And my next memory is waking up in bed the next morning. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, hey, it's, and and when you were up there, did you have did you have awe in terms of looking at this stuff or realizing that you were in outer space or you were with beings or what was your feelings in terms of what was going on? Well, this was all happening. You know, it, I was I was excited, especially with you know being around the blue bean. You know, it was almost like you know I was there with this just shamanic scientific 
ancient knowledge. You yeah. know, he just seemed like he was just ageless. Just, I mean, had lived for millions of years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, again, with the, the wall window, you know, to see, you know, all this, these little lights and the darkness of, of the galaxy or whatever, you know, was just, again, and I was in awe, you know, I was just. Any communication with the blue guy, the blue being, did he give you any, other than putting off this sense that he was very wise and knowledgeable, did you have any, or any, even idea why he was, was there with you? Was he showing you stuff or? Well, he, he showed me this crystal, you know, the, the, this, yeah. you know, in this, and what turned out to be this crystal, but as far as any other, you know, talking with him, not that I recall, mm -hmm. um, you know, just that, you know, why are you showing this to me? And I, I'll know in time or when it's time. Okay. And that's all I can actually remember of, of or that's all that came out of the regression as far as communication with any uh, of the of the beings and you still have the tape you recovered the tape or it was just very very low right uh, yeah no it, it's been lost in the shuffle um yeah. you know i'm, I'm I, if i could interject also yeah, go ahead, go ahead uh, this woman what i discovered about this this lovely lady that came here to do this regression yeah you can hear now it's hard because you're just having to take it on our word yeah but you yeah. can hear she is becoming afraid okay. when, she's, when chad's starting to describe what chad's describing she's starting to become afraid and it made me insane absolutely insane because she gets to the part where chad's starting to describe the beings and these encounters and she moves him she takes him into a whole another direction. Okay. And okay. I'm like, but you can hear that in her voice. She's yeah. afraid. But that's the first she's time she's been, ever done anything like this, right? That's right. right. Yeah. She's not, she wasn't used to this. She'd been a pet psychic kind of person and this <laughs> and that, you know. And again, this was in uh, 2002, 2003. Okay. And so we've always, we've tried to kind of keep it very open and put it out there that would give anything again to have another opportunity. I've tried regression a couple of times and it has not worked, but certainly with Chad, he seems to regress very easily. And yeah. uh, it would just be so amazing wow. to capture what has not been captured okay. in his nope. experience. Cause mine was very different than his. And our friend, hers is very different. Did she, did she go undergo hypnosis? The other third lady? No. Okay. No, she had no more interest, but let me, if I might add, may I yeah. share with you about her? Okay. Uh, her experience was, um, the last she remembers is 11-ish that night, as we yeah. said to you. But if I might, let's back up, maybe a couple weeks or so prior to that event happening to the three of us. Okay. As I said to you all before, she was a 24-year-old, very attractive, single, happy chick. You know, she's just yeah. a happy and she's the kind of personality where it is her intention to save the world. She is a do-gooder. Okay. She lives for the rights of children and animals. And she's one Planet. of those kind. And mankind, so on. And Earth, Mother Earth. Yeah. And so she's determined, you know, to follow that path. So being single, 
she dating, she's seeing a guy for a minute. I call him dark boy. Uh, okay. His name was Will. He was her polar opposite. Yeah. Very attractive like she is, but he had long black hair and there was something scary about him. I'm a sensitive and he didn't have to be. He was just, he was kind of a dark natured person. Okay. She, she dated him a minute. And then not because she didn't want, she didn't like him. She just was ready to see other folks. So she decides she's going to invite him over to her place to have a, I like your butt kind of yeah. breakup yeah. If you're with me. So it's daylight. This is all happening in broad daylight. She's standing on her front porch. Uh, he meets her over there. He's only a couple inches in front of her face. They are face nose to nose. Yeah. And she begins to do the breakup with him, yeah, the I love yeah. you, but yeah. he's becoming so emotional that she says he turned into a wolf. Uh -huh. Her head shot away because she was in shock. When it shot back, when she flipped her head back again, he had shifted human and shifted a second time wolf. When he okay. did it the second time, I'll clean the language up. She said in a very startled, which is so unlike her. You just turned into an effing wolf. <laughs> okay. And she said he responded as startled as she was. You saw that. Wow. That nobody needed confirmation. She don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. And that happened to her just prior to this event happening to the three of us. Wow. The last, if I might, she lived across the river from the quarter. Okay. If you live in Algiers Point, where she lived at the time, that's across the Mississippi River. You can see the quarter from her place. Okay. But you have to either have a car or you take the ferry that takes you back and forth or a cab, of course. Okay. She had to own a car. Most of the time she took that ferry, not on, not on this morning of the night of the event in 97. She drives her car. She parks her car up the street from our shop. Uh, we know exactly where she parked her car. After this event happens, her next memory, it's 11 o'clock on that corner. Now, it's yep. already been a very weird that you have not heard hour and a half prior to that. Her next memory, her next knowing, she's behind the steering wheel of a moving car. It's moving slowly. It hit a parked car and knocked off her rear view mirror. That is what jolted her, too. It's somewhere between three and four in the morning. So she's got from 11 to three and four. She's gone. It's gone. There's nothing there. The car seems to be driving itself. It's also in another section of the city from where she parked at that point. The car is going to Dark Boy's house. Now, I guarantee you, this is not somebody she would have ever wanted to see again. After that, Wolfie, I call it Wolfie Boy, experience. She says that she pulls up in front of his place. He lived in a not particularly nice section of the city. Someplace a blondie doesn't want to be roaming around at three or four in the morning by herself. He lived in a fourplex or a big old house that had been converted, I think, into a fourplex apartment. If I understood right, he had an apartment on the bottom ground floor. She's, that place has always got a huge that this big iron fence all the way around it. It's normally locked, the gate. Well, of course, not this morning. That gate is wide open. She gets out of her car, and she goes up his steps, and she's going in. 
Now she's just as puzzled as I feel telling you this, knowing her as well as we knew her and know her. She says that he's sitting inside the door. He's either, he's either got a screen door or no door. It's wide open. And he's sitting under some kind of a lamp, a lit above him, playing guitar. She said he stops playing guitar. She steps up in. And he said, either we've been or I've been waiting for you. Just like a creepy movie. She says he puts his guitar down. She said he guides her into a room. She becomes hysterical. Now, I, I don't remember seeing her cry. She's not a crier. I'm the crier. She becomes like a controlled hysteria. He walks her or he takes her into a room. She says she remembers being laid down and crying herself to sleep. And it must have been a brief time because the sun was just starting to rise with her eyes when she woke up. She realized where she was. She said she was still dressed, so she didn't feel that he had done anything to her. She said she got up and she got the you-know-what out of there and never looked back. Now, years later, this happened in 97. In 2001, I was told by another individual that I didn't even know knew Dark Boy or Will. Or Wolfie Boy. <laughs> or Wolfie Boy. This individual said to me, hey, have you heard about Will? And I'm like, what? I didn't even know you knew him. What? This is what? And he says, yeah, he's going around telling everybody he's got to get out of New Orleans because the aliens are after him. Wow. Now that, that came out of left field. Left field. And it was like, holy manoli. Because in my memory, my friend is not in my experience, nor is Chad. And now Chad is described to you at least with that poor regression, at least three, four, maybe five different types of beings in his one encounter. The person I, the being I with, wasn't any of them. And wow. I'm having a whole different experience. Plus it would seem I'm the only one that lucky enough as a not that came back out of this with something in my body. It's, there, it's still there today. And I have x-rays of, and I've gone through insanity over that. And I've had another experience here in Alabama, where we are now, years ago, when we lived here originally, I was put out in my backyard in the middle of the night, and I had a whole nother experience, and I have another object that's in my wrist that won't take an x-ray, but was detected by ultrasound. So, and it doesn't seem that Chad does, and it doesn't seem that she does. Okay. Which side of the body is, is your implant on? It's on the left. And, and, and I'm the only one, I think, and, and I certainly understand everybody calling them implants, but I, my first x-rays were me and Dr. Lear, long distance. I made it clear as quickly as I could because Dr. Lear didn't mess around. And I knew I didn't have a lot of time to get this going of being connected with somebody that I, had, that I thought had authority would help me or whatever. I told Dr. Lear, I said, I refer to these as unknowns because yeah. to this day, I have no memory of them being implanted. Yeah. The second, uh, they're on the left side and both are in the same arm. One's in the upper arm that's x-ray. That one, I might add, it took three times before it would allow a picture to be taken of it. Wow. These things do tricks. 
Now, I mean, this is some bizarreness of what we are really talking about here. Yeah, you actually have some bizarreness. Your voices have just gone kind of weird again. They were perfect right. there. And then I don't know right. what happened. It's sort of like suddenly you sound like you're in another room, but I can still sort of make you out. So um, to talk a little bit again, or, or Chad, try talking. Uh, yeah. Um, that's yeah. Fine. The, <laughs> yeah. There, there's you're getting a bizarre. We're getting a bizarre thing where your voices are sort of um, like you're way away from the microphone, but you were in sitting in the same spot. So right. Yeah. We're sitting next to right next to each other. Yeah, now, now, now you're better. Now you're it's back to normal again. Try Elta oh, talking. Oh, they're tricky. They are. Those yeah, there you go. Tricky. Now it's back again. There you go. You'll hear it on when you hear the tape. You'll hear that bizarre. It was like you're in another room or something. It was like bizarre. Oh, wow. We did an interview a few years ago while we were living in New Orleans, and we we had interviewed prior several times, yeah. and it had never happened to us. But in this particular interview, there's growling that takes place in the background over our voices, particularly when I'm talking about these objects in my arm, growling oh. and very bizarre sounds. Wait, how did how did Lear leave it in terms of what was gonna happen? Were you looking to have it relieved, removed by Dr. Lear? Well, see, I Chad and I talked about that years ago because we've never been able to get, as they say, help, which is all we were ever interested in, yeah. is finding others and help, whatever that meant. Yeah. So with Dr. Lear, he asked, he ordered the first x-ray. Absolutely. I went through insanity. That's worth a show all in itself. And then we get that x-ray sent off to him, to California. By the time he gets that first x-ray, he shoots me back a message. He needs a second x-ray so he can alleviate artifacts. I'm like, oh, dear Dr. Lear, you have no idea what I have just, what we've been through just to do this. Can you give guidance or whatever? No, he wasn't having nothing more to say to me. And he just kind of made it very clear that that was the order. Okay. So in that case, I have Chad call that doctor that I went through hell with the first time to get the x-rays to make an appointment so that we could come back. Yeah. That doctor told his staff to tell Chad he was out of the country. <laughs> now, when you tell people about what the medical profession has done to us, people just roll their eyes and cannot believe what I have tried to share has happened to us. So I got so infuriated. I'll never do it again. Boy, the things you learn as you go, you do better when you know better. But I told Chad, because we had to drive at least two hours to that doctor's office. It wasn't like it was up the street. Yeah. So I tell Chad, we're going to show him how to do a peaceful Indian sit-in. I come from the 60s and the 70s, little yeah. mixed Indian girl. My mama raised this in me, and I said, we'll just show him how that's done. Now, Chad don't want nothing to do with that. He's a lover, not a fighter, and so am I. But at this point now, I'm losing my mind. So against Chad's will, we drive back there, and that doctor hid from us for eight hours. He made us wait eight hours wow. before he would... When all we wanted was to I just get that x-ray, get it out. The first time he refused my money because I tried to pay for the x-ray, the first one. Okay. He, no, they just wanted us gone. They didn't want us there anymore. The second go around with the second x-ray, again, all I wanted was that picture for Dr. Lear. He took $100 from me. He had nothing more to do with us. And I mean, he was a very not happy camper yeah. that I had come back. 
And so. Yeah. Now, I wasn't in the examining room with Alta, but she said that when he touched the, the, this object. object in her arm the first time, he almost like, he recoiled, he recoiled yeah, just kind of like. He shot his arm out like something bitty. I mean, it was so bizarre. And then I'll just finish this up. I sent Miss Desta, I've inundated her because she has been so kind to allow me over the years to send things yeah. to her. I don't know. I'm no good with these computers, but I have sent picture after picture, photo after photo, anything that I, I've had airports uh, happen since all of this. And so I've been shooting stuff off. One of those photos is a picture of that, that doctor's office that we're talking about here with these unknowns and the insanity we went through. It sits in a town. that's not even a town in the middle of Alabama. It's got a stoplight and uh, whatever. And he's a, he's a, what did they call this kind of doc? doc yeah, he's a doc in the box doctor kind of whatever. <laughs> yeah. A couple of years ago, somebody captured, and I discovered this while I'm still in New Orleans. Somebody captured in broad daylight again, above his area, a sky full of orbs, sky full of white. There's hundreds, if not thousands of them above him so i mean wow it has been so in my experience as i've shared with you about our friend and you've heard chad's I, i'm uh one minute on that corner and the next thing i know is i'm standing on what looked like the moon it, and these are just recollections that you get in your mind you haven't been you've you got nothing through regression this is coming through recollection from yourself right no, this is just the memory that I came back with. Okay, yeah, okay. Because I've tried regression a couple of times and it's failed. It's never worked. Uh, has, one Desta, of them, has Desta offered to regress you? She does regressions. Oh, no, we haven't had an opportunity really to, she's a, you all are busy, busy folks. We hadn't gotten that far. <laughs> uh, I'm just so thrilled we've gotten this far. Because Mr. Cameron, I contacted you back in the early 2000s and I don't even know how to turn a computer on. I never had kids. I hear you got to have one to really know what you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. so I had learned about you, sir. And I've mentioned you many times on many shows around the world, your name and your connection to yeah. your work. Uh, I contacted you very, just because I didn't know where else to turn. Yeah. Back in the day, back when I'm about nine years old, my first memory is at nine years old. And it was me being tested for ESP in a military hospital. Wow. And Aurora, Colorado. And I discovered you at that time, if I'm not mistaken, were involved with UFOs and presidents and government yeah. and so on. Yeah. Okay, that's a lot of years so ago. Yeah. I sent you a, a, you know, I just prayed that it would get to you. This little quick message of, sir, can you help me figure out how to get those records? Because I have no childhood memories and I have no family and there's no one to help me. And I, uh, I want to say this, you're a very busy man, no doubt about it, but even back then, you were kind enough to at least respond to me. Most people won't even respond. And you had made it clear in a, you know, a very short statement that you wished me luck, but you couldn't help me. And I felt that if I remember the message correctly, that it was kind of like, oh boy, good luck on that one. 
Yeah. And you well, know, and I, and I never give up. I keep trying, but you know, have you, you talked to Melinda through. Leslie about this? Because now, now I would know a little bit more her. about where to go and what to do. Yeah, I've I've sent some messages, but again, probably my non-skills and everybody yeah. being so busy. I've never heard from her. But okay, I we'll work on that. Her. We'll work on that. Oh, that's just so amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, in my experience, I'm standing on what looks like how we've been described or shown photos, whatever, of the moon. It's all craters. The color in the experience was black, white, silver, blonde. Okay. And uh, there's no other color that I can account for. What happens is one minute I'm on the corner and the next I'm standing on a crater, on the right. edge of a crater. Okay. Now, it's a big crater and it's deep. And I'm looking down <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not scared. I'm like, what the hey is going on? Yeah. I'm more like, what the hey? And as I'm looking down, I see a metallic something down at the bottom of that crater. Okay. I've always felt like it was a warehouse or a, for all I know, it could have been a craft or who knows, but it was just this big square metallic or rectangle metallic something down there. Okay. There was no movement of any. The top of the crater where I'm standing, as my gaze came upward, there's lights all around this crater. They're uh, bigger than a bread box and they are the perimeter of the crater and they're white orbish lights. Oh. I felt that we're talking intelligence. I okay. felt that I was, that they were intelligent, okay. whatever that means. Next thing I know before I can, you know, have any time to take anything in, I'm aware something's behind me. I don't completely turn around. Now keep in mind, I'm on the edge of this crater. So I, I do a kind of a half uh, pivot and it's kind of like looking over my shoulder, but somewhat turned. And there's a little pile of bodies, human looking folks, pile, like a dog pile, several feet away from me. As I'm taking that in, nobody looks upset. They look, again, the word is suspended animation. Yeah. Everybody's dressed. They're of different ages. There's a child to an old man and okay. maybe one or two in the middle. As I'm starting to move towards them, because I'm one of those that want to help you too much. Yeah. So as I'm thinking I need to go over there, what the, what, whatever. Then all of a sudden, before I make a move, I shoot back forward again because she is standing right next to me. Now that she, there's no words to describe that feeling. She is everything. In that moment, she's everything. I don't care about anything anymore. Okay. I don't care about who I am. I don't think about Chad, my friend, what the hey is going on, that those folks that are in a dog pile behind me. I, I don't care about nothing, only her. Yeah. Her is well over six feet tall. She's got long blonde hair. Now everybody has always identified her as a Nordic. I don't. Again, just because I just don't. No more than I call these implants because I don't know. Uh, but just for the purpose of description, she is beyond stunning. I didn't know that that was my idea of perfection, but in that moment, I knew I was standing in the presence of perfection. And as I've said before, if I was a puppy and I had a tail, I was wagging off of me. I was so I was very childlike, and I was so happy to be with her. I didn't care about anything else. 
She was wearing a bodysuit, as you hear often described, like again, like a scuba diving. It was, you know, fitted to the body. Her body is in perfect proportion. Yeah. I remember eyes, strangely enough. I feel like what's coming to me is dark, dark eyes, versus you hear often about the blue and the this and that. It feels to me, as I keep recalling that, it, but you know what's so strange is it didn't matter to me. I didn't care who she was. I didn't want to ask her anything. I just knew I was home. Whatever that means, I was there. And I was in my completeness. So then my gaze goes up above her into the night sky. Now, it's pitch black. And all kinds of what look like they say diamonds in the sky. Now, I'm from the Southwest originally. There's nothing more beautiful to me than a Southwest sky at night with all those stars. Yeah. That's what I was seeing above her head. Was I was now, I was falling into those stars, falling, trying to fall up to those stars. I was so happy. I don't remember ever having that kind of ecstasy, and I was in ecstasy. And then all of a sudden, one of those stars started doing a dance. It, it started moving across, and then the rest started joining in. And then the moment that those stars began moving, I went from ecstasy to terror just that fast my heart i thought was going to beat out of my chest and i was i was terrified she said to me telepathically in a voice that i'll never be able to describe it was beyond beautiful and it's a voice i'll never forget she called me by name and she said alta don't be afraid they're just scanning you and then i came to sitting cross-legged it was somewhere between eight and nine in the morning so i have from 11 at night till eight nine missing and so does chad now our friend again she had from 11 to three four somewhere in there wow now let, let me ask a question that your your voice has gone crazy again but and let me ask you a question in terms of um they were scanning you is that what they said right she said don't be afraid alta they're just scanning you because I had that experience as well in 1976, where instantaneous fear and then it shut off just as quickly as it started. So I can relate to what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Wow, you just got Chad my attention. <laughs> and and That's there's a, a couple of other people that have described that as well. Um, you'll hear if you heard the you see read the latest book that was with the Skinwalker Ranch where these guys are on the yeah, ranch where. Right, Skinwalker and Pentagon, or? Yeah, yeah. So these guys are walking down the road, and they run into this field, and this this horrible fear overcomes them. They back away. It goes away. Then they walk again, and it's like a force field, almost like uh, that they're walking into. But the way they described it is the same way. It was like beyond words that you can't describe the terror and the fear that, no. that sort of comes, and then how it ends really quickly. I think you had the same experience. Well, you know, it's been interesting because in my couple of experiences where it's been about these unknowns in my arm, uh, in that experience I just described to you that night in 97 of the three of us, those were her words that translated inside of me. When I had, when I had my second experience with the other unknown, I was taken out of bed here, Chad and I had gone to bed a normal night, went to sleep. And so I have no idea what time it was. It was nighttime. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in my backyard. Now, I'm not a sleepwalker. I've never been known to be 
I'm standing out in my backyard and I'm looking up and I feel like I've got cousin it up against my leg. That's the only way I know how to describe whatever wow. that was. Because it's nighttime and I didn't have a light out there. And I'm just standing and I got something up against my thigh. That as I started to try to look down, I remember very distinctly thinking, cousin it. And then the next thing I know, before I could take that in and explore that any further, all of a sudden I got a voice that's booming at me above my head out of the sky to the right, sorry, to the left, up above my head and to the left. And it was her. It's her. Now she's using a language that I've never heard before. I'm pretty good with languages. I don't speak them, but I'm very good at detecting them and always have been. I don't recognize at all what she is saying. I only know it's her because you don't mistake that voice, that yeah. tone. So I'm so happy now I can't think straight. She's back. What the, you know, what yeah. the what? Before I can become afraid, I'm really excited. Now I got a voice booming at me above me to the right. Yeah. And it's male. And I like to refer to this. I pray my language doesn't offend. It sounded like a pissed off daddy. Like <laughs> I was a little girl about to get whooped. Yeah. And uh, he was angry. So. And now I'm like starting to get scared to death all over again inside of myself. And he said to me in the harshest voice, and again, called me by name, Alton, don't bother being afraid. And I'm like, and the next thing I know, they put me back to bed. Oh, sorry. As soon as he said that to me, I can remember consciously inside my head saying, are you kidding me? You're scaring the absolute Jesus. And before <laughs> I could get any further in that thought process, yeah. my wrist exploded in light. Wow. And I call, it a, I call it a light bomb went off in my wrist with no pain. There was no pain. And it was very hard to describe what I what I watched happen in my wrist. It was like a bomb of light exploded. And which wrist, right or left? My left. Everything's yeah. on my left side. Okay. I'm put back to bed. I wake up in the morning. I wake Chad up and I'm like, oh, no, Chad. It happened again. I got another one. So I throw my arm up in his face. He's not even awake, as I remember correctly. And he's like, oh, you know, okay, I'll do Now, this is crazy because the first one that's in my upper arm, you can feel touch and see at times when it's protruding in the skin. But it moves and it changes shape. And Whitley Streamer was the first one to show people that a long time ago. So anybody who thinks I'm crazy, then we're all crazy. Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm going through with this object. So uh, with the second one, this light bulb, that's all it is, is my sounding like imagination, trying to explain to Chad what happened to me. Well, he's kind of over it at this point. You can't see anything with my wrist, so on and so forth. I then discover a woman by the name of Gloria, and she wrote a book called Morning Glory. She happens to live in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the time. Chad and I had been out there, part of the world, me trying to get help, and boy, did we go through a lot of them, we were out there. 
So I'm sitting in Alabama saying, what in the world? Now I'm talking to somebody in Albuquerque where I was, and I'm having to deal long distance. Sweet, somebody set us up uh, to have this conversation. Oh, I think it was uh, a woman who wrote, uh, her name's escaping me right now. Uh, she wrote about people being put together, love by dealing Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Susan Hill. Uh, that's not the name coming to me, but the, the author of that book is oh, yeah, I know who you. Yeah, Susan Hill uh, told me about the book. Yeah, she had the same experience, but yeah, there's somebody else wrote the book. I know which book you're talking about. So that woman, because I got the book right away, because Chad, I'll mention this very quickly. Chad's grandfather, who had died when Chad and I met in 1990, he, he had a lot to do in Chad's raising. Very, all his family, but very influential in Chad's life, his mother's father. The world knew that man as George. Chad knew him as Papa, but always knew him as George. We discover when Chad and I first were arranged that his grandfather's birth name that's on his tombstone, his gravestone, is Alta. His first name and mine are identical. Wow. His, his last name is Duncan. That's my mother. Now, I'm told I'm a little mixed Indian out of Arizona, born in the late 50s. Yeah. Uh, Chad's a little Arky out of Arkansas. Uh, no Indian in his family that he's aware of. And I mean, it's just bizarre because to this day, we can never understand what in the world? Your grand what? Because our whole experience of being brought together was an arrangement and they were beings involved that did it. Yeah. And so that presented as human looking. So that started in 1990. So we're fast forwarding now all throughout this experience. So I contact this, this lady who wrote, uh, when I got, when I looked at uh, Alien Love Mind, I realized those people don't stay together for the most part. It seems like a whole lot of nastiness involved in a lot of their arrangements. And those love stories don't feel so loving to me. But Chad and I got a different gig going on because we're 31 years and have chosen to never have children. That's a task just in itself. Yeah. And the age difference and our world difference and so on. So this woman then said, she tells me about this therapist named Gloria that lives in Albuquerque. And she arranged for me to contact that woman. I contact this woman. And this is all over the phone. And next thing I know, the woman wants to hear about what you know what's happening to me whatever but it didn't take long at all she didn't have any interest and i was so surprised i was very surprised okay. and uh one of the things that happened is she asked to talk to chad on the phone about this in my wrist chad is honest at that time you couldn't tell there was anything going on with my wrist so he just answered her honestly well just looks like her wrist but if Alta said it, you know, he's trying to be supportive, but he's not going to say what he can't. He's not going to lie. Yeah. We're not here to lie about any of it. Yeah. So he tells her the truth. Well, she's pretty done with me. She just doesn't seem to have any when I'm not trying to be disrespectful. She just didn't want any more to do with me. I think at that point she had enough of her own story going on. Whatever the case was, we hang up that phone. I'm very upset inside. I am. I'm just very upset. I go to bed, I get up the next morning and my wrist was three times its normal size. Wow. It hurt like I can't begin to describe to you. The pain that I suffered 
over what was going on with my wrist. And I knew something out there was pointing and laughing at me. About it, pointing and laughing at me. And so this has been a very wild ride, just these objects, just the objects. Dr. Lear, uh, kind of, I guess, you know, by the time that second x-ray came around, for whatever reason, was done with me. But I'll have to admit, I don't know that I would have ever agreed, and I probably would not have agreed to assign this object away, because that was a requirement, that yeah. they cut them out of you, and they, they keep them. That would have never been my agreement. Yeah. So... Let me ask so that you, was, you know, yeah, so, so, it, 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 so this was at the end of his life that you contacted him, mean, he never did anything, is that correct? Right, uh, he, he was alive probably another 10 years. Oh, okay, okay, and, and you may know that he did actually, I talk a little bit about this, that I kept asking you what side it's on, um, he wrote a book with Daryl Sims in which he said that he had looked at 250 implants that are all on the left side of the body. And what I say, my impression of that is it's on the left side of the body because the left side of the body is run by the right brain, which is the female brain. It's the, in the, right. not, it's the intuitive brain. So whatever right. they're doing with whatever they're doing in the left side of the body, they aren't interested in the male left brain uh, ego. They're interested in the female side that's the sort of the, uh, the, 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 the one that it maybe is in contact with the universe. So I'm glad to hear it was on the left side. I have an implant or an object on the left side as well. So you um, do. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm not sure I if it's really related or whatever. What's going but. on with you, sir? <laughs> I just I just it makes me so excited. I can't hardly stand it with yeah. all that we've gone through and go through. It's but so you, exciting. But if you hear Whitley Strieber, they told him not to take it out. He's the one in his ear, and this is this idea that they put it in there for a reason, and they oh. get very upset if you try to take it out. That it's there for to help you or to do whatever, to monitor whatever, that they put it in there for a reason. And you know, Chad, as he's shaking his head at you, it was it's really the love of Chad for Alta. When this was, you know, first going on and the con and the and then realizing that I was gonna be because I've had many people say, why are you not getting that out of you? And like like we've said, let's say they're not gonna put me through it all over again. And, you know, make sure it gets put back. Well, then I had the second experience happen. So, you know, all bets off as far as the who, what, and the how. Yeah. But I also would like to interject that a year after this, this happened to us in 97. Not a year. I would say in a short amount of time after this happened, uh, I started losing my mind. And I'm not talking I went crazy. I was just beside myself, beside myself, uh, just so angry. I went through an angry period. All kinds of things were happening to me. And uh, I ended up one evening with an old black man who in the French Quarter, you never know who you are with. I mean, it's a yeah. very interesting world. And this old, this old guy, just a lovely old man who had lived there all his life, had been part of Jimi Hendrix's band back in the day when Hendrix was alive. Wow. And so we have this encounter, this old man and I, and he brings out a bottle of whiskey and I don't drink whiskey. And he's like, you know, you want some help? He said, I got a bottle here. And he says, I got gauze and I got a big knife. And he said, let's oh, just do goodness. it. Right. So me, Chad wasn't with me in this evening and I'm sitting with this old man and I'm telling you, he's an old man. 
And uh, I got that knife in my hand because it was just underneath what appeared to be just underneath the top layer of skin. And, you know, you can just get crazy. This can make you crazy without help. <laughs> and you've got to find a strong fortitude. And I got that knife up to my skin. And I swear on my mother, a voice that was my own. Thank God I got one inside me. Pretty much made it clear. But I know it wasn't me talking to me. Do you know how bad that's going to hurt? <laughs> it was like all of a sudden this reality came in. I'm talking about putting a hole in my arm yeah. to get this. So I put that big old knife down and I thank that old man for putting up with me and seeing it through with me and how much I appreciated him caring. And I thought I'd just go ahead and go on about my business and keep it in my arm. <laughs> That's a good idea. I mean, you know, you and with Streamer, when you watch his video, it's hard to find any longer, but it was actually Streber, Mr. Streber, who was the one that guided me to Dr. Lear. Because again, okay. we're talking back in 2001, 2002. Okay. And, uh, it wasn't so much that Streber seemed interested in talking to me, but he was certainly taking it on approach to the fact that maybe I was telling the truth and I really had these implants, as they were called. Okay. And so he's the one that kind of guided me in that direction. I go out and I find this book called, what, what Doctor and Alien Scalpel or whatever oh, yeah, yeah, here yeah, in yeah, Alabama. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my good Jesus, can you believe this? There's a <laughs> medical doctor actually involved in this. Yeah. So... You, may, yeah, you mentioned a, you mentioned apports. Can you talk a little bit about the apports? Because Dest and I are doing a book on apports. So a couple of them. One in particular is a piece of moldavite that uh, was gifted to me many years ago when we first moved to New Orleans. A couple of really weird things happened as we speak about apports. Uh, when Chad and I first moved there in '95. Our, one of our closest friends, as life is weird, happened to be coming out of Utah. Her family owned a horse farm that is the farm attached to Skinwalker. Okay. She's telling me, now, Skinwalker wasn't happening in 95. I mean, I'm saying as far as I know, we didn't know yeah. nothing about it. It wasn't world famous, not in 95, that I know of, or at least we knew nothing about it. And um, she kept saying we needed to go there because she knew that we had seen a craft, a huge UFO, right before we'd moved to the quarter. And I don't know, again, people seem to be used in the strangest ways in these fields. She kept just saying, Alta, you, you need to go to my family's farm. You need to go there to Vernal, Utah. I didn't even know what a Vernal, Utah was. Okay. And so to that was odd. That was just odd because then we have this wolfy boy experience there in New Orleans. And I mean, it was just weird, the shape shifting and the whatever. The A-port, I don't think it was her that gifted. It might've been her that gifted me this piece of Moldavite. This Moldavite piece, and you're, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. This Moldavite piece was not very large, and I didn't really even understand Moldavite back then. Uh, it, but it was kind of shaped like an arrowhead or an arrow point. Okay. That's why it almost feels like it was so important in my world. So that just flat out disappeared. Let me mention this. 
Chad and Alton moved to the French Quarter. And when we first moved there, we didn't have any money. We were starting all over and we're just free floating and we're gonna make our way. And again, not having children, it made it much easier for us to have this kind of a lifestyle. When we first get there, we didn't know how expensive it was to live in the French Quarter. It's very expensive. So we decided we opted for what we could afford originally. And it happened to be, our first apartment there happened to be above the original voodoo temple okay. of New Orleans, of the French Quarter. Okay. Those experiences are mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing, what we experienced on that property. But it would so happen, we live in that apartment in 1995. We move in 96, somewhere in that time frame. Ten years later, fast forward to Katrina that happened in 2005. Okay. Now, Chad and Alter are long gone by then. We had left in 2001. But our apartment was moved in. A young couple moved into our apartment that they're making movies about now. That apartment particularly, and that couple. It is a very disgusting, unbelievable story, but it's true. And what it was, was a young couple moved into our apartment and through Katrina, they refused to leave when everybody was being evacuated. Yeah. That's that These were street people. These were bar people, good, you know, knew how to run their bars and kind of hard living and so on and so forth. Well, as the story goes, ultimately, he <laughs> slaughtered her. He killed her in our apartment. Wow. And, and he cut her up. And he had parts of her in the refrigerator, in the stove cooking, and on top of the stove cooking. He went over to one of our very expensive hotels. I think we parked our car, actually, in that parking lot or whatever. He went over to one of our expensive hotels in the quarter. He went up to the top, and there was a party going on up there. And he's drinking and celebrating life and whatever at the very top of this hotel. And then he just walked over to the edge and jumped. When he hit the ground, he had already pre-written a letter to the detectives, to the police, yeah. instructing them to go to our apartment. Uh -huh. And they were not prepared for that. So when I say unbelievable, the most unbelievable energies, I went through uh, experiences in that apartment that also include these A-ports. My experiences though, I thought were beautiful. and intense and whatever nothing evil like what yeah. we're expressing to you took place on that property in that apartment yeah. so that moldavite would disappear and then all of a sudden it would come back and that now i'm already becoming very aware of this so i'm paying attention and then the most important one i've sent uh, i've sent pictures of this on desta's site okay for you to see it because I just tried to find it, and, and wouldn't you know it's missing again right now when I'm trying to find it. Mm -hmm. So I'm told I'm an only child. I'm told I'm named after my dad. His name was Alton, A-L-T-O-N. Okay. Did I mention I'm told I'm an only child? Yeah. So yeah. this A-port showed up in 1999. I'm born in 57. Okay. Chad and Alta have moved to Denver. 1999, Denver was Columbine. 
that was the wow. Columbine event. When we moved to Denver, we're moving to Denver to open up a new shop for the family I worked for out of New Orleans. They wanted to expand their business and they wanted it in Denver. I didn't want to go to Denver, but we ended up going to Denver. Okay. So before, before the shop could get built, Chad was going to build the shop with some other people. And, you know, and I was just waiting until the shop opened and whatever. So I'm sitting in my house. We rented a big old Victorian house and I had a huge inheritance. My mother had died just in 97. And, and I just had this huge inheritance, uh, Native American inheritance. So I'm sitting all by myself one afternoon and I'm going through all these pictures in a box and looking at you know stuff that I hadn't remembered or whatever. But when it comes to photos, I knew every one of those because when you're an only child who has no family and you have no childhood memories, you cling to those things. Yeah. So my point is, is I knew everything that was in that particular box. On this day, when I'm sitting in that house by myself in 1999, I reach in and I pull out an envelope. It's a small envelope and it's my mother's writing. She had beautiful penmanship and I'd know it anywhere. It's an envelope that's hand addressed, self-addressed to my father, my birth father's sister who lived okay. in California. Okay. When I opened up the envelope and it's postmarked, it's postmarked the day after my birthday the year I'm born. When I opened it up, it's a birth announcement. And it's a 1950s little birth announcement. And you got a little blonde little girl popping out of a box, like a jack-in-the-box. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's popping out. And it's this birth announcement. And when you open it up, it's my mother's name. It's my dad, my father's name. But my name is not on that announcement. It says that the name is Pandora. Okay. Now, I'm having a hard time breathing, repeating that to you. Pandora was not a word ever used in my vocabulary growing up. Okay. I always, I knew a little bit about the ancients, but I had no interest. So those, that was not a subject. That was not a word ever used in my life, ever. It, it's in my box of photos. And along with it is a photo of my mother. And I'm telling you, she looked like a, she looked like a movie star. She absolutely looked like a movie star. And I'd never seen either of those before. Wow. That happened in 99. I don't want to be, because I had been, my first memory, childhood memory is being tested for ESP at this military hospital in Aurora. Mm -hmm. So something was permeating. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back there yeah. because I'm being tested. I have that memory and then my memory goes. Again. I don't have memory again until I'm probably 12, 13. And at that point, we've moved to the Midwest. We've left Colorado and moved to Iowa. This weird life. So these aports, these, these things that are, I mean, of all the thing of all the time, I mean, at that point I was 42, I think, when this announcement, my dad has died, my mom has, my mother died on my 40th birthday to the minute I'm born, they took wow. her. Wow. And it absolutely, 
And then it was within three months of my mother's death that Chad and I and our friend were taken off that corner. Wow. Wow. Well, what do you think, looking back at all this stuff, would you, would you do it again? Yeah, I would. Do I what? mean, uh, do what? The whole I'm thing. Sorry, do what? The whole experience. Oh, having these experiences? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think you've, you've learned from it when, in terms of, um, do you see the universe as a more complex place? And have you thought much about this thing about, you know, in the time you'll be told what's going on? Like in terms of this idea, do you believe you're on a mission that you have something you're supposed to be doing? Yes, I, I do believe that um, there there is more to the story in, in the future. Um, I, I would love to see the, the blue being again. Yeah. You know, I, would, I, I, I um, welcome it yeah. when and if it does come. Yeah. I personally have always felt from, from uh, the last several years that we're supposed to find others. I, when you say a mission, I used to think, you know, I got all caught up in all that confusion from the beginning yeah. of just trying to understand how to think and how to feel and whatever. And it gets real trippy when you've got an object that's in your upper arm that reminds you constantly yeah. that it's there. And uh, so uh, to me, it's I kind of put the mission part out of the story for me personally. And I just find it again as trying to find others like yourself, sir. I'm 20 yeah. years trying to have this conversation with you today. Yeah. I'm just so beside myself. I can't. It's I'm as happy as I was with the, with the blonde. <laughs> Okay, we've lost your voice again. It's kind of weird here. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe the time is right now. That's what it's about. And uh, especially if you're, you know, you're looking for more answers in terms of hypnosis, something Desta does that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I'll have to get together with Desta. Let's do another conversation. Um, I'll, I'll talk to Desta. We'll see what we can arrange. I'll look at some of these photos that she has. Um, and we will um, set up another interview where we'll go into a little more depth and we'll see if we can help you find your answers. And in terms, uh, you help us sort of gather whatever we're supposed to be doing that we seem to be, um, I think part of our mission is to uh, get other people's stories out that we, we are seem to be here to help people publish their stuff, to get it out, to get them to, to tell their story and put people together, which I think is basically what you sort of indicated was that you find people who have experiences like other people and you put these people together uh, because this has all been intended and we all have some sort of mission or role that we're supposed to be doing. And uh, part of it is the game is trying to figure it out. It's not like they're going to sit down and tell you exactly what's going on. Uh, part of it is us trying to figure it out. It's just sort of like a playing a game. It certainly feels like a you know, there's an old, uh, I think it's Rumi, saying that I've sort of adopted many, many years ago that I just live for. Be with those that help your being. Yeah. And that's, that seems to be our drive. There, there's no question about it. I've become somewhat of a recluse and kind of removed myself and 
just, I almost have taken on the observer position, but never losing sight of the fact that, you know, if I'd have ever lost sight, we would not be having this amazing conversation with you today. If I'd have ever given up, well I, i'm fascinated with with uh, the story and uh we'll try this again and we'll hopefully get a little bit better uh audio than than what's happening now and it may be this weird phenomena uh but we do i have got your story i'll talk to desta we'll set up another interview and awesome. And Desta may have some things that you didn't go here, go here, go here, because she's right. probably heard parts of your story. So we'll we'll do that part, and we'll try to get the um, the, um, the the story in terms of um, there may be parts that they want out, like the implant stuff, the apport stuff. Uh, these are all things I work on, so I appreciate your sharing that. But I'm sure there's more of the story that uh, maybe now that they they want you to get. Uh, your part of the story out and we'll we'll go there and we'll do that that'll be amazing please forgive because again I was in a and I'm sure you all I feel like you must be used to this at this point dealing with all of us out in the world but I was shooting pictures off to her one right after the other many of those photos if she has them and you see them you're going to see cuts and dots and all the stuff that seems to be very common language there was a period of time I was waking up every day with cuts and dots and like they were playing tic-tac-toe on my body and we were taking pictures of every one day i'll leave you with this sir there's a photo and it's hard to understand what in the world did i send that photo for one morning because all these cuts and dots that were happening on my leg on my body was happening through the night yeah. and i was never aware of it and there was never any blood but it mm -hmm. looks like some of those i should be bleeding and i never did and there was never pain but one morning Again, this was about 10 years ago when we were living on this property where we are again. We're sitting out in the backyard. Chad's actually sitting in a lawn chair drinking coffee. I'm standing in these, we had French glass doors. I'm standing in the doorway having coffee with him. And we're just taking in the moment. What a beautiful morning. And all of, out of nowhere, I had pain that was so severe on the top of my foot, my left foot, I might add, yeah. that I let out a girl scream and I don't do that. And I mean, I screamed where the whole town could hear me. Chad <laughs> flew up out of the chair, the coffee goes flying. I'm, I'm a bleeder. So I'm expecting to look down and just see blood everywhere without sounding like I'm exaggerating. I, I thought she maybe got stung by a wasp or, or yeah. you know, something like that, the way she reacted. But in reality, this is what, what happened. And I took, we took a photo instantly. We had a little Instagram or Instagram whatever those instant cameras are back in the day that was sitting right there and i had chad photo it instantly something excised a pyramid out of the top of my foot wow took, took the skin it's like a scoop mark but, but it was triangle triangle shape and there's no blood there's no redness if you see that photo you that was taken instantly you, and okay so you sent that photo and sent it to desta yeah i've okay. sent everything on to her I'll, I'll, uh, give you a, I'll give you a little uh, story that may excite you. Um, I don't know if you were friends on Facebook, but um, if we're not, I'll make sure no, that we're we... not, but we need to be. <laughs> okay, because on my Facebook today, I have a couple of assistants. One is Desta. I have a girl in Illinois who helps me. Her name is Nicole Sackage. Right. Uh, two nights ago, I'll read you the message here. Hang on. She, she's got a little, uh, little six-year-old boy. 
His name is Will Smith. Mm. Um, a couple of days ago, she uh, tells me he got a message in the morning. He woke up and he, here's the message that, that he was given. He's a member, he's six years old. In order, there's our universe, the multiverse, and the ultraverse. And the mm. only thing bigger than the ultraverse is love. That's from a six-year-old kid. So anyway, last night, she posts with me this morning. She nice. says, um, oh, I got this triangle. We wrote a book called Triangles, Mes Messages, and Aliens, where we Whoa. talk about triangle sightings, and we talk about people who find triangles on their body. Uh, over, overnight, uh, she's got the triangle on her body. So she posts the, the photo, or she gives it to me. I post it on Facebook with the very clear triangle on her, on her um, arm. And then Chris Bledsoe, are you following Chris Bledsoe? Right, uh, because who regressed him came to my home and did it here. Okay. So he, yeah. So he actually posted this. He posts, you guys haven't made it till it's official. It's official when you get one of these. And it looks like a medal, like a, um, um, uh, like a, something you'd win for the Olympics or whatever. And right. it, is, it looks like a, um, uh, a rocket taking off with a big triangle around it. And um, he said, then he said, so I said, very impressive. Then he wrote back and um, he said, let me read it here. I gotta make sure I get it for you. Cause this is, uh, um, so he replies, hang on, nine more replies. It was lots, um, no one gets these unless they know it's real. So he had some, I think he got it from NASA. And this is a triangle that indicates that, and he said that he brought the message into the world, the triangle message. And it, there's a triangle on his being. He saw these two little the beings, the tall beings and the short beings. And the, the small being had a triangle on its chest. And I said, well, we put that in the book. We put that photograph. So the fact that you would talk about a triangle is great. I love it. And let, may I add this real quick? Cause I understand you have to go, but if I might, finishing up and hearing yeah. your interest in this triangle stuff when that happened to me this was again morning time daylight what have you our next door neighbor now that gentleman has since died okay. but while he was alive he's originally from england he moves here to alabama marries a local and they're married 50 60 years he's an old curmudgeon who took a fancy to chad we were buddies and chad <laughs> and the old curmudgeon were buddies well, that old curmudgeon decided he was gonna put a pond in his front yard, a pond. So, okay, he's from England, he can do anything he wants. We love that, put a pond in. And I'm talking about a real pond where you can float a boat in it, in his front yard. He's gonna stock it and so on. That man started digging out a pond in the shape of a triangle. Wow. <laughs> now that, that triangle, that he was in the process of creating the triangle. The friend that was taken with Chad and I, we call her Christine, her name's Jacqueline. When Jacqueline, I have not mentioned, got pregnant very quickly after our experience. Okay. Now I just say there's a whole lot of mystery to all of that. <laughs> she's only had the one child he's now 21 or 22 amazing this child amazing because of course they're amazing she decides she's going to bring him by to see us while she's driving through Alabama they were living I think in North Carolina at the time okay. 
she wants us to see him because we have not seen her baby since he's a year old and now he's 10. So there's like nine years, okay? She happens to decide at the time she's gonna bring him by here. That's when dude next door is creating a triangle pond. <laughs> so well, this is, this now one's like 20 feet deep in, in places. Yeah, not, yeah, we're not just like a little koi pond. It's just yeah. float a boat in it, front yard. Wow. So she brings her child by to see us. We spend a few hours together and then they got to hit the road and it's just her and him, her son, he's 10. She decides before they get in the car to leave, they're gonna stand, her and this little boy are gonna stand at the point of that triangle property. Now keep in mind, it's not filled yet with water. He has just dug out the formation of that pond. And then they took, they took that out of the top of my foot all at the same time. Wow. wow. I know. I, I just keep <laughs> saying, I'm pretty sure they're pointing and laughing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the triangle seems to be important, but there is that sort of, uh, I call it the wow factor where I say, right. why do you, why do UFOs have lights on them? So you can see them. It's, it's so all just them. trying to get your attention. And unless yeah. it's weird, you're not going to pay attention to it. It has to be really weird. And then, then you try to figure out what's going on. And then you're figuring out like what, you know, what, what am I involved with? And they just want you to think. They want you to figure it out for yourself. They're not here to give you any answers. They're just to inspire you to mm -hmm. do it. And so it's always going to be a weird thing that they do it. You do it so you remember it. Let the yeah. games begin. Exactly. Think out of the box. Yeah, that's well, what I see. I see it like a like a chess game where you you mm -hmm. you watch all the things and everything has meaning. Everything, uh, you know, means something, and you've got to figure out what it is and why it's important. And and even the thing with the you know with the beings where I, I I'm now I'm sort of joking where I say, you know, why do ghosts have clothes? Why do a lot of aliens not have have clothes on? And these weird little things. Why do aliens wear hats? Some of them wear hats, and and it's right. these weird little things where. When you start looking at it, it is kind of a bizarre thing but again i think it's like a a very important mission not a mission but a very important game where we get to play this thing where a lot of people have no clue what's going on and we got None. to play in this game whatever this game is whatever's going on uh we got honored to play in the game honored we are in it to win it sir <laughs> you got it i appreciate your time so and uh I will talk to Desta and uh, we'll set up another one. I'll bring Desta in the next time and uh, we'll, we'll do it again. And we'll get into more details and hopefully we can get you some regression and maybe I can help you uh, track these records when you were a little child. Because if you talk to Melinda that Leslie, good. that's basically what they're doing uh, is they're trying to figure out um, the, uh, the um, who's, who's, who's an experiencer, who's not an experiencer. And if you can do telepathy, then they know they've got one. That's what Melinda right. said when they when they when she was on the ship. They said we've got another one. So they know right. who you are. That that's why you're being taken because you have these telepathic abilities. And right. the government's trying to figure it out as well. So they're grabbing people who are involved and they're trying to figure out why are they being picked, what are they being told, and uh, maybe using it for nefarious purposes. But uh, it would make sense that if 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 you realize mm. these people are being contacted. Um, you wouldn't be surprised to find their phones are tapped and their, you know, their computers are, are bugged and stuff because they're trying to figure out what you know, where, you know, who you talking oh, yeah. to, what are the aliens mm -hmm. telling you, what's what's really going on? Because they, I don't think they figured out either. They're they're 
a lot in the dark and they're trying to figure it out. I went one step further as we're parting with each other and it was only in this last year I contacted Doty. Now that's just really throwing it out there. <laughs> okay. I'm what like, you, you know, uh, Doty was interested in, uh, actually I was more, I, I also contacted Kelleher. Kelleher. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Kelleher. He was kind enough to, uh, I dealt with all the big names, all the big names. Okay. Uh, with Doty, Doty was kind of an, uh, well, he was just good luck, sort of, don't know what you're talking about, sort of, yeah, yeah. uh, kind of business. And I'm like, you know, don't push your luck out too, because <laughs> I've appreciated having my arms still attached to my body. Chad and Alta have been through uh, men in black, only car in black experiences and had a lot seeming to intimidate us the phone bugging and all that business we've become very accustomed to and and i'm a chicken let me just say that we're lovers and not fighters we are not violent in any way and we don't want no trouble and none of that so i just jumped out there with Doty because nobody else was dealing with me i couldn't get anybody else to yeah. communicate to nothing so i just said what the hey uh, kelleher was very interesting he actually wanted to communicate with me but his interest i don't know what you're a very knowledgeable man knows so much more than I do and I'm only getting the peripheral but with him his interest was he was very interested in us because of Louisiana and I'm like well okay uh that's we're not in Louisiana anymore and you know probably won't be uh but his interest is he's all wrapped up in on somebody who lives in Louisiana who's got got sisters young sisters that are shapeshifters and that's all he wants to know about. That's all he wanted to talk to me about was uh, kind of stuff that sounds like kind of skinwalkery kind of stuff. But his interest is particularly in this family and only in this family. And I think he thought I knew them. And of course, Louisiana is a big state and I don't know nobody. Yeah, and, Right. So wow. it's just an interesting dynamic and it's a big game. And we're so appreciative to have a voice in it with you, sir, and that you've given us this time and we can't thank you enough. And, right. and I just want to express one last time. Thank you so much, Mr. Cameron, you and Desta for what you both do for all of us and anybody else who's assisting you out there. We just can't thank you enough. You're a very honorable man. You have restored my faith in humanity. <laughs> well, I got down the rabbit hole the same as you did, where you're trying to figure out what's going on and you're just busy digging for answers. And uh, the synchronicities pop in when people come in at the right time in the right place. Even this thing with the triangle today, where you know we we had this thing happen. The triangle happened this morning. Now you bring up the triangle, and it's almost like we're being led with the breadcrumbs, and you just follow the breadcrumbs and enjoy the ride. And enjoy right. the ride. <laughs> but we it. thank you so much, and you have thank a you. wonderful evening. And we look forward. And please, again, I know you will pass on our gratitude to her, to Miss Desta, please, for everything. Okay, Thanks we'll so be much, we'll be in touch very shortly. Thank you, and we'll forward. get linked. We'll get linked up on Facebook so you can uh, follow the postings on this triangle thing that happened this morning. Sounds awesome. awesome. Beautiful, Chad Alta. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. Again, thank sure. you, sir. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, 
or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.